Well, here we are. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm uh, Dr. Shelley, and uh, some people call me the grandma of the church. And you guys know from the last time I was here, I'm totally okay with that because I'm a grandma in real life too. And uh, she's beautiful and brilliant and amazing and uh, looks like her mama and acts like her daddy. So it is so good to be here. And, you know, I uh, had a plan. So you had to pray for me because I had a plan. And if, if you don't know, Veronica's praying for me, and she's like, we know you're in control of things, but we also know when God throws a ball, you step back and run into it. And so I, I'm going to talk about sacred community because uh, that is uh, the DNA of uh, some of the things that God has stirred up in me. But uh, I'm going to come at it from a different angle. The good thing is, is whatever we uh, throw out there this week, we could clean up next week <laughs> since I'll be here. But uh, there's something that we have to realize about, uh, about community. God has created us for community. We uh, actually are transformed in the presence of one another, for good or for bad. It does, we can't always uh, determine what's going to happen there in some ways, but we can by dealing with ourselves. And so this morning, the Lord uh, had me up, and I was praying about it, and I was like, God, what do you, you want to do? And so more than talking about this sacred community of being in the church, I'm going to talk about the sacred community of self. Because we, not only are we in the church as a whole, and this is a community of God, a, an organism of God, but we are also, uh, and, and Angel said it's so little Christ, but we are also kingdoms and queendoms right here. And so every time we step out or we get into community, then this queendom will bump into your kingdoms and queendoms, and then we're going to see what happens there. And so with that in mind, we have to recognize that it is essential that the first kingdom we build and the first kingdom that becomes strengthened and the first community that is strengthened is the community of self. We are, we serve a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. And we walk amongst others who are in this place too. And God invites us to a soul healing so that we can be kings and queens in his kingdom, not our own kingdom. And so when he had me thinking about this morning, I'm like, well, you got to take, you got to give me something, God. You got to give me something here. And so he reminded me of uh, passages in 1 Peter, and I, I'm going to read it to you for a little bit, and, and we're just going to go there, okay? And so 1 Peter uh, 1, lucky for you, it's a pretty short book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to start with verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. See, there is a salvation that's coming and there's a salvation that's happened, our spirit, and there's a salvation at work in our soul. We're walking on a soul healing journey. 
And he says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that that tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the result in may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Whether you recognize it or not, Peter's talking very clearly about a journey. We go through the trials, we go through the testings, we go through the battles, and the outcome always is we get a little more saved, a little more of the salvation of our souls. Now, I've got a plan. Let's keep going. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have not been announced to you, though through those who preach the good news to you have now been announced to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. You know, what God is doing in us, the heavenlies, the angels are perplexed by and curious and they want to see because they haven't experienced what you and I who have come to Christ have experienced, this work of God in transformation. And it is awe-inspiring to the heavenlies. We're an audience of heaven. You know, I want you to think about how many of you are in battles and you think there's nothing pretty about this. Yet when we lean into God in this, it is awe-inspiring even to the heavenlies. Paul talks about it in Ephesians when he says that now is the time. For the church, we're in this drama that, God, that the angels of heaven and the demons of hell are watching us reveal the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And so can I tell you right now, don't try and figure out what you're going through. Lean into what God is going to do through it. Because that is where the wisdom of God happens. And then he, and then he says this. He says, therefore, since... These angels are watching since we have this good news. Since there is an unperishable inheritance waiting for us, let's walk out the salvation of our souls. And he says that the way we do that is by preparing our minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, he's not just saying someday God's going to show up to you. He's saying God has shown up to you. And as you walk out healing, you have, a, you have a better capacity to grab on to the things of God. And when you grab on to the things of God, you walk, it, Paul says it this way, walk in the maturity that you've attained. I don't want you to be something you're not, but some of us aren't being something we are. And he's saying, walk in what you got. And if we, you know, some of us say, well, what I got, it's not going to fix anything. It's not going to change anything. Listen, every time you say that, you position yourself above God. And you become an idol to yourself. When we decide that my pain has got to be my punishment, we become an idol to ourselves. When we decide that I've got to figure this out and I've got to work this or I can't do this or I'm just a little bit in the kingdom, we become an idol to ourselves. And Paul is saying, cuss down those idols. You're not all that. But me and you, it's pretty awesome. 
And we need to walk out the fullness of who we are. Think about it. When we run, when we know that, you know, Paul said it this way, this is the wrestle. The things I should do, I don't do. And the things I want to do, I don't seem to be able to do. What's the hope for me? And it's in Romans, and the hope is Jesus Christ. But it's us walking in the revelation that we've already got. In actuality, Paul's talking about the double-mindedness that we all struggle with. And we all struggle with it. And he's challenging us to walk out freedom in Christ. So he says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions. Some of us, we know we've got a revelation of Jesus Christ, but how many of you are falling back to the passions of your former ignorance? The things you don't do, want to do, you do. The things you wish you could do, you don't do. That's because your rational brain is not being transformed and walking out with your emotional brain. You're double-minded in all your ways, and it brings an instability. This should not be. But as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile. Knowing that you were ransomed from your, the futile ways inherited by, from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You know, we, we think holy, be holy as God is holy, and then we go, we go straight to religion, and we go straight to a, a standard of action. We, we, if we're not careful, we become pharisaical. And so we want to hold on to laws and regulations and standards, and we want to hold everybody else to them too. But that, that's not, God didn't invite us to the law. He invited us to love. He didn't invite us to religion. He invited us to relationship. And holy literally means sanctified and set apart by God. And so it doesn't mean sanctified and set apart to religions and standards. It means sanctified and set into a relationship with God. And the first community, if we want, if we want to, in, uh, talking about sacred community, community is a group of people or an organization that is gathered together for a central purpose. And a sacred community is that we are set apart by God and that we are in communion with God to walk out community with one another. And if we are not in communion with God, and I don't mean in the religious place that I follow the rules and I do, what, I do the ten as in commandments, it's that I am walking in such a sweet relationship with Jesus that when he moves, I move. And when he stays, I stay. And when he points out, hey, there's something going on here. Listen, a religion will keep you in good behavior until it doesn't. Until, until you decide that the bad behavior is a better law you want to follow than the religion. But a relationship is an inward movement that bad behavior is going to have to fight to get to you. And if we're trying to be transformed from religion, it may work for a little while. Hey, it might even work for the rest of your life on here. But I'm not sure what kind of damage you're going to cause. And I'm not sure what kind of, of a multiplication you're going to cause in the kingdom. 
But a relationship transfers to eternity. And some of us, we, we can't help it. We default to religion. And, you know, religion isn't just a, a sacred set of standards set by an ecumenical body, a church, but a religion can be anything that you hold on to so steadfastly, so religiously that it keeps you from missing God. The Pharisees did it. They were so set in their standards that they missed the Savior. They looked good to man. Many people wanted to live up to them. And some, I'll tell you what religion will do. You're so afraid that people are going to know your struggle. And yes, it is sin. That you won't set yourself up to be vulnerable. And there is no transformation without transparency. Can I say that again? There is no transformation without transparency. Someone has to see you so that you can see them and so that you can see you. Paul, when he says that we all are being transformed from glory to glory, he's talking about the walk here. Listen, when you got Jesus, you, you, you got all of Jesus, but there was not a, all of you that could handle it. And so as you begin to walk in understanding of them, as, as Peter says, as this revelation of Jesus Christ begins to get manifest in your heart and life, then you're going to be able to handle more of Jesus. Then you're going to be able to look more like him, and you're going to be able to act more like him. You're going to be able to walk more like him. You're able to live more like him. And so it's not like anybody gets like, you know, I've got a little bit of Jesus, and you've got a little bit of Jesus. We all got Jesus. We're all spiritual. Well, all of us who have said, Jesus, come on in. And Jesus says that when he's there and as you walk with him and as you get the revelation of him, he pushes out the enemies of your soul and you're able to walk more like him. But we've got to lean into that relationship. We've got to lean into uh, who he's called us to be. We've got to recognize that we are sacred beings set apart by God. If you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you are someone in whom Christ dwells. And you know, I, I don't think we walk and talk and act like that all the time. When you go into the grocery store, you know, when you go into the fries in Arizona, I walk in as someone in whom Christ dwells. And so if I have a revelation of that in my mind, I think I'm going to be a little nicer to the cashier. I think if I, if I take the uh, eggs through me to the store and then decide that I don't want them, I'm not going to leave them in the bread aisle and cause damage to someone else's livelihood. See, we think, you know, uh, I, we see a lot about social justice and Dallas Willard said, and, and out in the world and that we're going to go make a change. And if, if I go and do big things out there, it's going to make a difference. And Dallas Willard says the ultimate act of social justice, and I'm paraphrasing him, is how I treat my brother and sister. And how I walk in this kingdom relationship here. Because we are built so wired to be connected that if I don't change me, I'm not going to make any lasting change in the world, no matter how many good works I do. Paul said it this way. If I, if I move mountains and I don't have love, I am nothing and I have done nothing. 
You know, there's an ache in us. And e even in those who, who move in the movements and, and it becomes a, a wounded place, there's an ache in us to do good. When we've got a glimpse of heaven, there's an ache in us to do good. And God says doing good is good, but do good's got to come out of be good. And be good is relationship. Be good is not a standard set of principles of the earth. It's a, I, Jesus is going to show me when, hey, that's not so good. And I'm going to have a brother or sister say, what's the matter with you? And I'm going to lovingly say, I don't know, what's the matter with me? Help me out here. That's part of the sacred community we build in E5 is that we're willing to call out each other's stuff. We, matter of fact, we live for it and having someone else call out our stuff. That's when Veronica's praying for me and she says, well, you know, how God, how she likes to be in control. And I'm like, yes, Jesus. <laughs> but then she spoke that life, but she'll surrender to you. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> she was speaking life. Many of you know Maria and, you know, with the battle's real, man, and she's going through it and. We're getting ready to go on a retreat. Maria is seven years older, uh, younger than me. Beautiful girl. How many of you remember Maria? She's been here before. And literally, she is uh, at my house, and we're loading up for this retreat. And she is like walking like this. You know, you have to help me. I can't carry this stuff. It's too heavy. And I'm watching her, you know, and she's like, we're trying to push down her seat and, you, you, you know, push down the seat. And I like, she's, you're going to have to push it. I don't have the strength. And, and finally, I looked at her. I'm like, what is wrong with you? I might not have used all those terms. And she looked at me and she just started laughing and because I shocked her. And then we began to walk out this lie that she had come into agreement with that was manifesting in her body. Here's the deal. Uh, I, had, I had to work out a lie I, just to show the community check. We're going to get back to Peter. I had to work out a lie I was believing in so that I would be ready to see the lie that Maria was believing in and that when walk with her out to a place of wholeness so that when we got to the retreat, Maria was ready to see the lie that Veronica was believing in so that Veronica could walk out that healing that when she came here, she could minister to the people who were believing in the lies they were believing in. That's how community connects. And if we're not walking in the be holy and surrender to God, we're going to miss it. You may do great things. You may move mountains. But if you're not walking in a love, and love isn't this, uh, we, we don't put the definition on love. Well, we do, but it's not God's definition of love. God's definition is unconditional. And so it, we put conditions on our own heart that hinder us really from walking in the unconditional love of God. And if I already have conditions on my own heart that I won't walk in the unconditional love of God, how on earth am I going to walk in the unconditional love of God with you? And so we, we want to do the great commission and we haven't even grasped the great commandment. And we do not do them apart from one another. Sacred community is not built because we're together. Sacred community is built because we're walking out him. It's not just being in the room. It's being in his presence and in his will. And we shift. We shift from building those kingdoms and queendoms. Sometimes we're all good in Jesus. And sometimes we step out to build a world that is not his. Uh, listen, 
you're, you're built, living that theology. You and I do. That's why we need sacred community. And if you, if you run and hide, you know, we say we, we love God, but if we hate others, then John says we don't love God. No matter how you try and sugarcoat it. And you can say, well, I don't hate anybody. I just don't really want to be around people. I love people, but I'm just really busy. Maybe they don't want me. Maybe they don't want to be around me. Maybe I've got this, you know, we set the agendas, and, and God is calling us to this, just this place of sacred. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a, sinc for a sincere brotherly love. So here he tells us, what's the whole point of purifying our souls? For a sincere brotherly love, which is a phileo love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all, grass is like, for all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but, in, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So our flesh is like grass. It's going to go. It's perishable. But a pure heart isn't. A pure heart is an eternal thing. And he says, so we have, to read, we have to read scripture like this. We have to read the whole story. I mean, sometimes it's okay to grab the little snippets. I, I do it, you know, grab and go. I got to preach this morning. I can do all things through Christ. But to sit in the transformation, I've got to lean into the whole narrative. And not really that whole narrative, but really to sit in the transformation, I have to have that narrative leaning into this narrative. Because you and I, we all have a story. Matter of fact, that's how transformation begins. It begins with the story. It begins with this story, butting up against your story. And we all have a story. To be changed, to be truly changed, we have to have a few things at work. Four, actually, I shared three with the retreat, but one of them was a given. He was there already. It was the Holy Spirit. We have to have a renewed mind, and you know what a renewed mind is? A new narrative. You see, we can get saved and we can get healed. Those of you who went through the retreat, you got saved and healed, and we showed you some of the lies of the old narrative, but now you're writing a new story in Jesus Christ from a pure heart. And some of us, you went through the retreat and you started writing a new story from a pure heart and you got hijacked again by the old story and you went back to that book and started writing from those old pages. That's not who you are. Remember who you are. We got to write the new story. And, we, and when, as we're writing the new story, we've got to be walking out soul-shaping and soul-healing exercises. Spiritual disciplines, they're called. They cure our soul. 
When I read God's word, even if I don't feel like reading God's word, it cures my soul. When I spend times in quietness and stillness and solitude and sacrifice, it cures my soul. When I give, the soul sickness of greed begins to be ousted. When I serve, the soul sickness of selfishness begins to be healed. When I read, the soul sickness of believing a lie in my flesh begins to be uh, lightened up with truth. See what I mean? And the other thing that is absolutely necessary is that we are in sacred community with one another. Because when we are together, it helps us to see who we are and whose we are. When we are together, it helps us to see who we are and whose we are. And who are we? We are someone in whom Christ dwells. So this word is good news to us. And then he tells us some soul disciplines. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. And he's talking to those who have already heard the narrative of Jesus. We're already walking with Jesus. So how many of you know there's still some malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander? And like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. So do you see that salvation is a journey? It's not an event. It's not an event where you came and prayed the prayer. My dad died last year, and I knew he was going. The year before that, we had an 80th birthday party for my mom, and my dad was 79. And I began to ask, you know, the Lord, should we start planning a birthday party for my dad? And he told me no. He told me no out here because I wasn't ready to hear it in here. I knew, I knew it. And so I began to have conversations with my dad. My dad didn't grow up in church, but he had a stint in the Catholic church and a short time in the Baptist church, which I had my conversation with God about. You're making it hard on me now, God, because there's a lot of religion there, and I'm trying to get them to you. So I had a conversation with my dad uh, one day, and I said, Dad, are you ready? Are you ready? You know, because I really want to see you on the other side. I want to have time with you, and I want to have a relationship with you. And he wouldn't go deep with me in those conversations. But I would nudge it every time I was around him. And I was like wondering, God, why am I, you know, going in like a bulldog, you know, because it's my dad. So I tried, Lori, my sister Lori, you know, she's all gentle and sweet, and so I'm trying to push her. Get in there. Get in there. He's going to take it better from you. Come on, get in there. I'm trying. I'm trying. And so... I'm like, Dad, are you ready? And he's like, I prayed the prayer. A long time ago, I prayed the prayer. And I'm driving home. I'm like, God, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with I prayed the prayer? you got to help me out here. And he's like, just tell him to touch base with me again. And so I get home. This is I'm leaving his house driving for two hours thinking, Lord, you heard what he said. He prayed the prayer. Now what do I do with that? And he said, tell him to check in. And so I get home and I call up dad. I'm like, dad, I know you prayed the prayer, but Jesus wants you to know he wants you to check in. So I, I didn't have a clear 
you know, I, I was getting ready to have the, the last of the big conversation with my dad before he was uh, going to have um, open heart surgery. He'd been a month in the hospital, and uh, they, they, were, they were afraid to do the surgery. And they, they were hesitant. And uh, we're all, me and my siblings and everybody, we're getting ready to go to the hospital, and we get the call that he's gone. And I go to some dark places. Like, God, I, you, know, you know, we had this deal. We were going to have the conversation, and now I don't know where he is. Thankfully, God gave me um, two, the same dream twice of my dad sitting at his feet. In his, uh, he died white-haired and handsome, but when he was in his 20s, he had jet black hair, kind of like my son, and he was sitting there in that dark hair, and God was tossing his hair, playing with his head right at his feet, and, and he gave it to me again so that I would be okay with it, and I just shared that story with my mom because now, now I'm working on getting her ready. Uh, not too long ago. But there's a couple of things about that. I'm very grateful that he's there at Jesus' feet, at the Father's feet, especially because I know some of my dad's story. But I also know the great man that he was, that there's so much he could have done. He did a lot of good on the earth, but it could have been some great things in the kingdom. So a year later, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, my mom was showing me some pictures, and in those pictures was a journal of my dad's. Kind of find out. He wrote a lot of journals, and there's more. that when she, she won't let go of anything that's my dad's, but when she does, I'll have it. And I started reading through this journal, and it was at a season when my dad had a stroke and had lost his eye. And in that journal, he shared his struggle of wanting to be like God and of wanting to walk with him and of wanting to have faith. And, and, and the cry of God, give me courage. And so, you know, I had some judgments about my dad's walk that I'm still wrestling out. But he didn't have a sacred community. He didn't have people who could look into him and see these places. I'm seeing it after he's gone. And I, I was probably the closest religious community he had. But because there was no transparency, he didn't have that journey of comfort. Now I know why he would get great comfort when I would pray, even though he couldn't ask me to pray. He would wait for me to breach the divide and pray. What a loss. But how many of us are living out that same loss? I really wish someone was here with me. I really wish someone knew my struggle. I really wish someone could. And some of y'all prophesied it. Did y'all prophesied it? That you, would, that you would reach out. And some of us even cried out our struggle. But that we would reach out. And Daniel saying that, that we would go and get our brothers and sisters and not leave them. 
Stand in the guard because we're a royal. This is what Peter says. Put that away and come to him as a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones or little kingdoms, part of a house, are building a house. God says in the Old Testament, he says, I'm dwelling in temples built by man, but soon I will be in the temple that is man. I'm in an exterior place where they go, but there's coming a time where where they go, I'm the place in them. So you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, for it stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he goes on and talks about, well, let's just go there. But I want to I go back here for a minute. See, we think that I'm just going to be a part of the church and I'm going to help build this external building. But Jesus wasn't a building. He was a man, the God-man. And he said, this God-man who's setting the example of how we walk so that we can be those followers of God built upon who he is, walking out the kingdom and the earth. The church is not a building. And who knows how the world goes, how we will meet and how we will gather and how we will become those living stones. But you can't be a dead stone added to a living building. You can't, you can't, if you're not a stone that is alive, you're not going to be a part of the building. No matter how much you show up. There has to be a transformation, a salvation walk. Listen, you know what's scary to me, and I see this all the time, is that we, and, 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 G, and Paul said it, you were running so good. What caused you to stumble? And so many of us, we stumble, we think the stumble's a takeout because we're not walking in sacred community. You know, there's a meme that was going on around, and it says, man, I've really messed up. I better not let dad find out which is a mindset of many of us like he doesn't know. (laughs) But maybe I can't hide it from him, but I'm not going to let her know. And I'm not going to let her know. And he says, listen, I know, but if you don't go to them and let them know, we're not going to get through this because you're created to get through it together. We change whether we like it or not in the presence of each other. And so I have a responsibility and you have a responsibility to be the best in Jesus that we can be because who we are impacts them. And it's on a, in a centrical measure of community. I impact my relationship with Jesus by who I am, so this community is impacted. And then how I walk impacts my husband who I'm in covenant with. And that's a whole other story of how that walks out. Listen, I got to be the best me so that I can pull him to places of wholeness. 
and he has to be the best him because who else is going to see it in me so he can pull me to places of wholeness? Some of us could be a whole lot better spouses. Don't help each other be weak or broken. Help each other be whole. Quit justifying yourself. And listen, if you are, you have made an idol of a person who needs you to be worshiping God and not them. So that they can walk in wholeness. And then my husband and I, we're going to impact our children. What are you raising your children to be? Afraid, hiders, or warriors. You know, and it's tough when you raise people in wholeness and they start, I can remember when my kids started using the jargon against me, you know, so it looks like you need to get a little more saved, mom. <laughs> my son, who, his journey is, I don't even know, man, he's in a Catholic church and he's, he's, but he loves God and he's like, that looks like they need some deliverance. And I'm like, what? All right, at least he's talking the talk. He's going to get it. Or when others call, but it changes us. I am better because of their vision. And then that family is going to impact their family, and then it's going to impact who's ever in close relationship with me. See, we think if I just do good, if I just do the right things, then I'm going to change everybody around me. It will not last. It will not work. It might look good for a while, but it will not work. And if you defaulted from this great transformation experience to religion and rules, and then you find yourself, and, and, and here's what you do. We, we start to struggle, and so we get tighter on the rules. Right? Oh, I'm just going to read my Bible more, and then I'm going to be okay. Haven't been reading my Bible. That's why I'm not changing. So I'm going to read my Bible more, and then I'm going to be okay. Who's done it? How okay are you? You know what, I'll just, I'll go to church and I'll serve, 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 serve in my little broken place and I'll stay really busy so that no one will notice how much I'm struggling. Because I look good. It's not about look good. It's about be good. And good is not your idea. It's God's idea, which is holy, which means you're set apart. Your mind says, God, I own you. And so instead of saying, I'm in trouble, I better not let dad find out. I'm in trouble. I'm going to run to dad. And dad's going to look like this dad or this grandma, who's a pretty good looking grandma because she got rid of a judgment against herself just to show you the journey. And I'm like 50 pounds less than the last time you saw me. I told Jesus, could I run better at the end? Which is biblical, we should. If you're running because you're tired, you're not running with Jesus. You're running in your own strength. Probably in a lot of ways from Jesus. Into religion. So that you can look good. When all you got to do, I know it's the hardest thing to do, to start, but the greatest thing once again is lean into the journey. The journey. Not, not your journey of brokenness, but God's journey of wholeness. And then bit upon bit, he pushes out the enemies. And we walk out a salvation 
that will change the world, but it has to change this world before it changes that world. Paul says that if you do all this good and you're not walking in a love relationship with me, it's, it's really nothing. He says they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I like doing a whole chapter thing. We're almost there. Right? We're good. See, he says, before we can be the royal priests, we've got to be the little stone. We've got to be built in Jesus and built on Jesus. Because we are a holy nation. And he's not saying us, universal, are holy nation only. We are. But then this queendom of Shelley is a holy nation too. And this kingdom of Mark is a holy nation too. And we need to walk out that holy nation together. Someone else talking with me? Is it me talking back? <laughs> Doesn't sound like Jesus. When I was, listen, uh, I shared with a group, and I'll share it with you, uh, because I'm being held, just to show you I'm being held accountable, and that we're all on this journey together. We're in the middle of the, of the retreat, and I'm preaching something, and nobody, nobody uh, some people caught it, but I, have a, a, I got mugged by God in the middle of a retreat. I used to be such a control freak, really. I was pretty controlling. I've seen worse. I've seen worse. But, <laughs> okay, might need to be healed a little bit more. I have seen worse. Uh, I've probably been worse, too. But, uh, and uh, I'm talking about mom wounds and stuff, and I, I, I have a daughter who's on an interesting journey right now. And... Uh, and <laughs> I, it was like two days ago, right? I barely was able to tell my husband about it last night. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you were a little legalistic. <laughs> it's like, no, no mercy there. I mean, he said it gently and kindly to, to affirm that I was on the right track <laughs> of healing. I'm like, thanks, honey. I said, and I said so I'm going to have a conversation with my daughter because I know how to help her on her journey. She's struggling with God right now. She, she has a really hard time accepting God's love. She's a rules kind of girl. She grew up under a mom who was newly saved, and, and sometimes we get jump into the rules before we learn how to walk in relationship. I got 
saved uh, while I was carrying her. And so then this you know, wounded girl with a control issues goes straight into all the rules and all the religion and those kids. You know, I, 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 threw, I threw away Space Jam because I thought it was demonic. My poor son, he talked about it for years later. I bought it for him for Christmas one year. I'm like, Mom's all good. Here you go. Here's Space Jam. <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't let him watch Selena because I'd watch it one too many times. I was just tough, you know. And they're, and they're like, you're tough now to, to be then. And, and the Lord just hit me with, you, you made a, a, a statement of pride that all your children would know was you, was you as religious. Because I did. I would say that over my children to my husband. I just thank God that they've only known me in church. And then I became very religious. And, and I've been praying for my daughter and sees this journey with God. He doesn't just show it to you right away. We, sometimes we got to push out the enemies so that we can see better. And God mugged me with it right there that I had had that place of pride and that I had put this legalistic path on my daughter. I got better because the other two in a different place. And so uh, I repented of it and asked God to forgive me and so forth. That's why I can talk about it, because before I would have said, no, I was, get her done in Jesus. But now I realize, and so because I'm in a sacred community, and they, the ones who saw it happen, they pull me aside and they say, did you take care of that? Didn't you? <laughs> did you take care of that? And I'm like, yeah, I took care of it, but I do have another part. I have to go to my daughter. I told my husband, I have to go to my daughter. I have to go to her. I have to. He goes, what are you going to say? I said, I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to say I realize that you're struggling with God, and I think I might have had something to do with it. And I, don't, I want you to know, I've been praying that you are just baptized, not in religion, but with such a presence of his love that you know your father loves you. And I'm excited because when I walk in, in authenticity and transparency, I'm changed. And I know that it might not happen overnight, and it, she's a processor, she'll think about it, but it will change her too. And I owe it to her. Not just because she's my daughter, but because she's his daughter. See, some of us, we think we're doing good for each other by leaving each other in our stuff. We think we're doing good with each other. If we think, well, I got my stuff, but at least I'm trying to hold it together so it doesn't impact your stuff. You're not that good. You're not holding it together as well as you think you are. Because we, we live and speak and breathe out of the abundance of our interior world. Who he is in me is who I am in the world. Now we say, well, because I'm saved, so now he in me is who I am in the world. Yes, but how much is who he is in you? If there are some enemies of your soul that have not been pushed out, Read Peter for yourself. 
when you get home. Where he's calling us to, and listen, his story, he knows that road. He walked with Jesus three years on the, in the exterior, and it took a whole lot of stuff right there at the end to really get it in the interior. He had big plans and big ideas. Read Matthew 16. Peter's journey is very public. And then he tells us, and this, this is not an afterthought or another, another idea. This is some of the rest of the story. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or to the governors as he sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, meaning he's, he's saying, don't, don't just say you're free because you belong to Jesus. Be free in Jesus. Don't just say, hey, I'm free and I love God and this is who I am. And some of us say that, well, God knows who I am and if he wants to change me, he's cha he'll change me. God won't ever do anything without your agreement. And so he's saying right there, don't just live and say you're a Christian so that you can cover up all your bad behavior. Be good. So don't live as a cover-up for, for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Be servants. Be subject to your masters with respect. Be in the workplace. Be the best worker. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is you if you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure. But if you, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And that's all through scripture. Don't repay evil with evil. But how many of us do? Because it's pushing on something a little less saved in us. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And he goes into even more about the dynamics of relationship. But Jesus is a wounded healer. And he has invited us to have our wounds healed and be wounded healers. So I want you to think about this right now. I, I want you to just stop and consider. We try so hard to change other people. And... Can I tell how many of you, there's someone in your life I really would like to see some change in them? You ever heard, you ever heard that term, be the change? And you think, well, I'm going to go do something? You want people to change around, change in you. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are. 
It's about owning yourself in the struggle and then not hiding. Because we are transformed with a renewed mind, a mind that is, is changing the narrative. So a lot of people, you get healed and then you walk back into the same old narrative. You go back into the same old you. You act the same way, you, you think the same way, you do the same things, and you think somehow God failed you, God didn't fail you, you failed you. And you think the community failed you. You're in as much community as you let yourself be. And there is no transformation without transparency. You want your marriage changed? Get naked with each other. And I don't just mean no clothes. Matter of fact, no matter how naked you are clothes-wise, if there's covers up on your soul... Even that's not going to be that good. And it's not an overnight thing. It's a journey, guys. You got to be in for ready for the long walk. And we are so disconnected from our bodies and what's going on in our bodies. We push ourselves on this uh, perpetual path of trying to think the right things and do the wrong things. Oh, wretched people that we are. But God. Now, I may have challenged you, and some of you may have been feeling really bad about yourself, and the devil would love to leave you there, but that's not the rest of the story. The story is God. He still invites us to be living stones, no matter how moss-covered and struggling we are. He still invites us to change our narrative. And to, to change the story, start doing good so that you will begin to walk out the be good. And by the way, you're going to need someone on the journey with you. So find another living stone. Susan, we should make living stones. You see, Peter tells us we've got to go through this struggle. We've got to be that stone because of who we are, kings and queens and priests and nations. You know, and if you even look at the nature of God, he, he builds planets and earth that rotate around each other. All of the galaxies have to be in tune with each other to hold the world together. We could even bring that down. To us and us and us. God is way bigger, way cooler, and way more whew, than we give him credit for. Amen. And if I want to embrace the bigness of God, I've got to get rid of this bigness of Shelley. And so do you. So can we put our hand on our heart? Can we take a deep breath and blow it out through your mouth? Take another deep breath. Listen, when we, when we hit the trauma of our sin, uh, it disconnects us from our bodies. 
and then we can get hijacked, and the enemy of our soul can make us do those things we don't want to do and not do the things we do want to do. And we have to walk out healing. And I want my team to come up. And I want you to still sit there in yourself for a minute. Sit there in yourself for a minute. You know, if we're not aware of ourselves, we're not going to be aware of the impact we're really having on the world. And the most impact you have is not your blast across social media. It's your blast across the kitchen table. It's not your blast across boardrooms. It's your blast across the bedroom. You want to change the world, and this is a community of world changers. Change this world. And how many of you recognize this world of you? Put your hand on your heart. Don't. Ask the Holy Spirit. Say it out loud. Is there some change that needs to happen in me? Say it with your words. The voice you trust is your own. Is there some change that needs to happen in me? There are a little more salvation coming my way. Am I getting ready for some healing? Listen, I, I've brought you community. And you are community. There's some places of transparency we got to walk out. And don't let an idol sitting next to you keep you from where you need to be. But if you know there's some change that needs to happen in you so you can be a living stone, building a living community built on Christ to train, uh, change others into being living communities, I want you to come up and let someone agree with you about it. And don't let anything hit you. If there's things that have hit you, truths that got pierced to you, here's the place of transformation. Remember what I said, we don't do it alone. We do it with each other. Time to get up. Spread out, Ernie. Come on, move. Let's be the change. If we're serious about this walk with God, if we're serious about being living stones and presets, if we really want to impact our world, then let God impact your world right now. Let God impact the world that is you right now. Don't just think about it and say, yeah, that's good from someone else. I'm talking to you. And if someone's already up there, be patient and wait. It's going to be all right. I'll tell you what, they're all awesome.
Let's walk out transformation. Let's really grab on to who we are in Christ so we can be who he is in the world. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.